0: It's the easiest, you know, series of. Uh, it's the easiest book to find in in the, the the Bible. You open up to the middle. Most people are familiar with, with some psalm. Uh, there are there are there there are people who've who've written psalms uh, from a perspective, uh, a personal perspective, or there, there are psalms that represent the whole worshiping community. David wrote psalms, sons of Korah wrote psalms, Korah himself, Haman wrote psalms, Moses wrote a psalm. We're looking at the psalms, just sampling the different types of psalms throughout the summer, looking at them through the lens of Galatians 5.22, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit How does fruit develop? And the psalms give us a language. They're the language of the heart, a language of relationship, language of connection. And it's that relational seedbed that produces this fruit. This morning, we're looking at a psalm that really is a psalm of praise, but it it kind of stands in its own category. It's a psalm... That really is, in a lot of ways, uh, about God's knowledge of us. Psalm 139: "O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar, you search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we pray this morning... That you would find us and know us, that you would know our heads, hearts, and hands, that you would guide us in the way everlasting, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. There's a, a woman who was getting out of her, her car, and six young children followed, and a man on a park bench said to her, are these all your children, or is this some kind of picnic? And she said, they're all mine but let me tell you, it's no picnic. <laughs> oh, well, I tried. You know, I think about all the young moms. Uh, we've, got so many, we've got so many babies, some to be born yet, a couple of them to be born yet. And uh, we've had so many in this congregation. And I remember when, when my, my wife was a young mom, a younger mom, sorry, honey. Uh, that was even funnier than my open um, oops um, When I remember uh, coming home at the end of the day And she was just craving adult conversation you know, Young moms uh, feel isolated a lot of times they, they, they live so much of their day Without adult conversation And it can be very isolating You know, uh, men too Likewise men too uh, You know, in, in ways that that they work or ways that, that they, they travel, a lot of times men tend to isolate themselves for one reason or another. Uh, Thoreau said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. Isolation is not good for us. Being isolated, being independent, you know, we strive for independence and then, and then it backfires. It begins to, to make us disconnected from other people. Emile Durkheim was uh, one of the fathers of sociology, and he, he noted that, it, that isolation is one of the, the leading causes of depression and suicide. And so it's not good, as the scriptures say in Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. That when we're connected to one another, that we're healthier, we're happier, we're more fulfilled. And so what can we do about it? Well, kindness is the answer. Kindness is the answer. Kindness is a like, the, like to the word kin. Kin and kindness have a, a similar root. And so you think, oh, no. So you're saying that kindness is like being with family. You don't know my family, right? Okay. I understand that all families have some quirks, and sometimes family can be a place of, of where, where, you know, seriously, family can be a place very unkind to each other. And in a lot of ways, it's a left-handed or back-handed compliment that, that we push and test out the people that, that we're closest to. And, and sometimes that's not good, but, but kin and kindness are, are like each other. Uh, for a particular reason, and that is, is within the, the, the family structure, ideally, you've got you, people who know you and love you, to be known and to be loved. And that's really what this psalm is all about. It's to be known and loved, not just known and not just loved. Sometimes people love you and they don't know you. Sometimes they know you and they don't love you. But, but both of those is, is, is like being loved it, within the context of a family. It's like having a, a kinship. You know, I wonder, you, you don't see these bumper stickers as much anymore. They, they, the bumper sticker that says, uh, practice random acts of kindness. There, there's nothing random about kindness. You know, I think the bumper sticker went away because people didn't want to drive kindly. I think that's probably what it was. Yeah. So, how Or in what way, what does it take to be truly kind? What does it take to be truly kind? Let's look at that. Let's look at verses 1 through 6, and then we'll look at 7 through 12, and then 13 through 16. I hope that doesn't, for younger people, I hope that doesn't sound too sterile. Like, oh gosh, that sounds terrible. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 6. I mean, if I were sitting there and I were a young person, I might think, this is going to take a while. Oh my goodness. But... I promise, it's, it, we're, we're going we're to make good sense of this because it's so important that we understand what it takes to be kind. First of all, people who, who show kindness have known kindness. You can't, you can't really show kindle- kindness unless you have known kindness, to know kindness in your life is the base camp of being able to go up from the base camp into the hills or on an expedition or to extend out from that place of kindness. You can show kindness. People who have known kindness can show kindness. And and what you're seeing here in verses one through six is somebody who greets the day recognizing the kindness of God. And, And I want to give you a little warning here Every day and, and, and every time that, 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 that a new day comes to you or every time that, 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 that a need is met in your life, you and I have a decision to make. And, and the way that we receive that, whether it's a kindness from God or if it's something to which you feel entitled, you're making a decision. You're either making a deposit of strength in your life or you're drawing down on the core of your life. In other words, what, what, what the psalmist recognizes and what we need to come to understand is that, is that we are constantly responding to God. God. And the way that we respond to him is going to be the you that becomes the you of later in life. Decision by decision, response by response, you're developing a certain kind of character that that when, when something difficult comes your way, you'll have the strength to respond. Or when somebody else needs something, needs kindness, you'll have the strength to lend. What what you're seeing in verses 1, one through six is somebody who recognizes the vastness and glory of God, and yet someone who recognizes His place in it. You think about how big the universe is. I think about this. Now somebody described it this way, that if our solar system were a quarter, just a quarter size. Think of you know, the sun all the way from the sun to Pluto if it's still a planet these days. I can't keep up. But, but think of your, the solar system. If it's just a quarter size, how big would the galaxy be? Put that quarter right in the middle of Kansas and think about the rest of the United States. That's how big our galaxy is. You see, this is, this is a psalmist who is contemplating the greatness of God and his, yet his ability to know one individual. You searched me and you know me. What kind of a God, what kind of being could know when I sit and know when I rise to search out my path, my lying down, to know a word that is on our tongue even before it's spoken? You hem me in behind and before. You lie outside of time, in other words. It's a knowledge that's beyond us and yet is known on a personal level. It's it's to recognize that God knows you and accepts you. It's your base camp. It's your base of operations to be known and accepted. You know, it's it's a lot like the younger son, the prodigal, who wanted a portion of his, his father's estate, right? He's saying, Dad, look, you're taking too long to die, uh, I want you to give me some of your inheritance. That's basically what, what he's implying in that story, the, the prodigal son. I, w- I want my inheritance now, and he goes off and squanders it. And when he comes back, one of the, one of the profound moments in this, this story that I'm you know, gliding right through is, is that moment when the father says, son, all that I have is yours. And when the son recognizes, I missed it. I've missed my place I've missed being known and loved. I've missed having a a clear security and identity. I've missed recognizing that everything that belongs to our family is mine, that I'm a part of something bigger than just myself. And what that that son thought that that taking something away and going and being independent was going to expand his world and and make him the master of his universe. And, And what he did was he lost, he lost the universe. He lost so much in his perspective of being disconnected from something bigger, from being interconnected, from being interdependent. We think of ourselves as so much bigger when we're independent, don't we? We're so proud, and we're so disconnected. See, people who can show kindness know kindness. They know that relationship that, that is unconditional, that relationship that says, I know who you are, and yet I accept you. People who know kindness know also Second, verses seven through 12, they know kindness, but they know that kindness is not always nice, okay? Kind is not always nice. What do I mean? Well, some of you remember uh, the one-hit wonder, Nick Lowe, who said, you got to be cruel to be kind, right? And you can be singing that for the rest of the week. I just ask you, forgive me and just embrace it, okay? Those of you old enough to remember that melody. Nick Lowe, you got to be cruel to be kind in the right measure. You know, he never explained what that means. Well, let's, let's look at what that means. What, what does it mean to be cruel to be kind? The, the Proverbs say that a brother, uh, a friend loves at all times, and a brother was born for adversity, right? There are people in your life who, who, who will, will say to you, uh, will ask you, um, you know, hey, do I, do I look good in this outfit or do you like my new haircut or what do you think of, you know, what, what do you think of my new watch or whatever it is? And, and even if you don't like it, right, uh, you'll say something nice, right? There are people in your life who will be friendly but not really a friend. A brother was born for adversity. See, kindness is truthful. It speaks the truth in love you know I, know I recognize you know you got to re- realize this we've got to stop here for just a minute and realize, look, this isn't licensed just to go and and have all the candor that uh, that you can muster in every situation. it doesn't mean you shouldn't be diplomatic it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be gentle in your words and loving in your words, but kind people do not shrink back from the truth you know if you get if you color your hair. You know, some crazy color, and you think it's the greatest thing, and 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 somebody in your life thinks that you have kind of lost your mind. You know, they're gonna tell you. They're gonna tell you. They're gonna say they're gonna be kind to you. They're not just gonna pretend. You know, see the, the problem with being nice and not truthful. That's 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 sort of smoothing things over. We're very good about this in the South, aren't we? Especially in the South. Oh yeah, sugar. Yeah, you look great. You know, I mean, it's just, we smooth things over. We smooth it over in the South. And the problem with that is it's not honest. And it creates distance. A brother who's born for adversity gets into the intimate places, the difficult conversations, and is willing to speak the truth and knows how to speak it in love I, i've i told this story about pete skezero before but i want to kind of turn the story around and it's a story of a, a pastor who who um re- received a guest unexpected guest who needed to talk with him and uh, they were in the middle of something and it, instead of you know saying hey you know this isn't a good time he he talked to let this person sort of in, invade their 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 moment, and he was nice to him, very nice, but he was not kind. He was nice. And the the you know so the punchline of the story that maybe you remember me telling is that meanwhile they weren't paying attention to their daughter who was out in the pool who wasn't old enough to swim and they barely got to her in time. And so there are real consequences sometimes personal consequences. To, uh, to, to, to pretending and, and, and not being clear about what's really going on with you. I mean, you, know, you don't really want to talk to somebody who doesn't want to talk to you, do you? I mean, I don't. And so it's so much better to be kind, which, which means to say, look, you know, I really care about you and this is not a good time for us to talk. Your situation is too important for me to pretend that I care about it right now. Or something to that effect to say, look, let's come back to this tomorrow or give me a couple of hours and, and let's talk then when I can devote my full attention to it. That is kind. That's to tell somebody what's really going on and, and to take even, to, to take the step of a brother, to get in there and just say, look, this isn't good right now. I'm not going to give you what you need. And verses 7 through 10 it it, it, it kind of says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, if I make my bed, if I go out to Sheol where they would take and burn garbage, if I go and spend my time out there, even if I try to get away from everybody, you're there, even in the places where nobody else would go, nobody else would venture, nobody else would speak into that place in my life, you are there. That's what it means to be kind. It's to step into those places of life that are sometimes uncomfortable for us. And may seem a little cruel in the ways that we speak, but that's what it takes to be kind. Tim Keller said this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. To be known when someone knows you but they don't love you, that's our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything else. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of self-righteousness. It fortifies us for any difficulty life throws at us. You know, the last song we sang is a song that uses a lot of dramatic language, you know. And sometimes I'm, I'm not always comfortable with it. I'm not always in the mood to be, you know, having my heart turn violently inside of my chest, right? And, uh, you know, I'm a guy, okay? Um, and... And so I I read those words sometimes, and they seem a little too strong for the moment. And then I read Psalm 139, and I think, boy, you cannot get more intimate than this psalm. This is a place where, where the psalmist is saying, the darkest, secret, ugliest nastiness of my life is known to you. And yet, what? You love me. You know, I think my reaction is a human reaction, just like everybody else's, where we want to be independent. We don't want to be needy people. We don't want to be interdependent. And as a result, we can't be truly kind to each other unless we are able to receive the kindness of God, especially in those places where we feel a little uncomfortable. He goes on and he says, if I take on the wings of the morning or dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, you know, even in the places where I don't even understand, places in me where I don't even understand. I, I don't, you know, At the time, that's an image of the, the great unknown, the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there, your hand shall guide and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be as night. No, the darkness is like the day to God. Are you known like that? You see, when, when you're known like that then and when you're willing to be known like that, to let God in, then you and I can connect with people in ways that bring them from their elusive independence that bring them, invite them into human connectedness, away from alienation and isolation. And finally this. People who, who can show kindness, know kindness, yeah. They also know that kindness is not just merely nice. People who know kindness will take the risk of kindness. They will risk to be kind. Because kindness does carry some risk. It carries personal risk, emotional risk, social risk. To be kind to somebody is to put yourself out there a little bit. It's to step out on that limb and hope that you know, somebody didn't come along and start, you know, sawing it off between you and the trunk. People who know kindness are willing to take a risk of kindness. I want to give a little image about this. When uh, about 15 years ago, when I lived in Orlando, my mom died and I went to uh, do her funeral. And it was a pretty heavy time. You know, we we had really come close to to defeating her cancer that we as in the, you know, family pulling for her and the doctors. And it was a pretty heavy time for us. And, um, you know, I was at a very big church, and I, I came back, and, um, and and it was a very tense time in the church, a very large church, and, a, and, and there was a lot of conflict at the time. And so people weren't being kind to each other, and there was a lot of disconnection. But our next-door neighbors had broken into our house while we were gone. and. And they, they stocked the refrigerator with stuff. And w- the thing, the image that stands out to me that was just so, just such a great little touch of kindness was, it, it, and it probably doesn't mean that much to you, but, but we had a fireplace and it was wintertime and he had stacked up uh, all these, this little kindling like Lincoln logs, you know? And, and created a fire and, and put a, not a burning fire, but created the, the potential for a fire, just set it up just right. Said so all I had to do was, was take one of the matches from the matchbook he let, left and light it. And I just remember sitting there thinking, that is just so amazing that somebody would do that, that they would think about that, that they would take the risk to break into our house <laughs> And to do these little gestures that get into our space that say that we were thinking about you. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Let's take it a a little further down now. Uh, Tolstoy, who's known for his thick tome called War and Peace, also wrote a little book called The Death of Ivan Illich. And Ivan became this great man, this great, wealthy, independent man. And as a result, he, was, he became very alienated from everyone in his life, distant from everyone in his life. His success, his affluence made him an island, and nobody could get to him. And he was miserable. And then he developed this a disease, an illness, where uh, eventually he was incapacitated. He was bedridden. And he had to receive human touch and care from somebody he would have looked down on. And it brought him back to life. It brought his humanity back. It helped him receive. He was in the place where he had to receive. But as a result, it transformed his life, his heart into somebody who could receive his family again, who would be vulnerable with his wife and his children, somebody who could receive kindness then, could then risk being kind in return. Are you getting the picture here? That (laughs) there's really no in-between. You can be somebody who is steeled up and independent and you will be isolated and alienated or you can be somebody who increasingly receives daily the kindness of God. You know, a, a guy named George Sanders summarizes all of this for me in such a powerful way. He 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 spoke uh, a a at a graduation ceremony in uh, 2013, and it's a video. There's a video that went viral. His name's George Sanders. He's an author, a professor, and he he tells a story about. Um, this this incident when he was in, in childhood, of of really being unkind to this girl who was there in her class his class for a very short period of time, and he talks about all these crazy things he did, like you know. Um, going and bathing naked in the Amazon River. That wasn't a good idea. You know. And he, he said, I, didn't re- I don't, don't regret that. And he kept going through this list of all these dumb things he did that he does not regret, but he regrets. This is what he says he regrets. He says, what I regret most in my life are the failures of kindness. Those moments when another human being was there in front of me, suffering, and I responded, sensibly, reservedly, mildly. People who know kindness are willing to take the risk of kindness. I think it's our distance from God that that steals from us the confidence of a base camp of kindness to where we can no longer risk. Who is it Turn it around. Who is it in your life that needs a touch? Maybe you're afraid of the rejection or that there won't be a reciprocation. Maybe maybe you're you're concerned that, that your gesture might be misinterpreted. Take the risk. Receive the kindness of God daily that you may be equipped and empowered to be kind. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your loving kindness, which means a long-suffering, a persevering commitment to us. We pray, God, that through learning to pray the Psalms, through speaking the language of song, of melody, of lyrics of love, that you would equip us even more, even here today, to be the kind of people who can respond in turn and in kind. In Jesus' name, amen.